0: That song I'm
1: in love with that song.
0: I love that song I'm in love with that song I love that song. I love that song
1: I'm in love with that song. I love that song I'm in love with that song. Welcome back, music fans and fiends to another edition of the I'm in Love with That Song podcast, part of the Pantheon family of podcasts. I'm your host, Brad Page. And I admit it, I'm a physical media guy, not really a fan of streaming and mp3 files. I've owned my share of cassettes and 8-tracks, and I still have a big library of CDs. But my love affair with music began with the 12-inch vinyl record, the LP. There's nothing like holding a well-designed album cover in your hands while you're listening to the record. And I'm glad to see people discovering and experiencing that again, as vinyl has had a resurgence in the last few years. It's great. And whether you're just getting into vinyl now, or you're an old-timer like me, there's a new book that I think everyone should check out. It's called In the Groove, The Vinyl Record and Turntable Revolution. The book is really a celebration of everything about the LP. From its origins, through its history, the equipment that it's played on, the cover art that often becomes as iconic as the music inside it, the record stores that sold them and became places of community, and the community itself, the people who've made these records part of their lives. This is a brand new book. It's just hitting the shelves now, and I really loved it. The man who's really the brainchild behind this book is Dennis Pernu at Motorbooks. And so I thought I'd invite Dennis onto the podcast to talk a little bit about In the Groove. Because I believe that the history of modern music is the history of the record album. And it's all here in this book. So here's my conversation with Dennis Pernu about In the Groove. All right, well, thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. Um, I was lucky enough to get a... A copy of the book. I have it right here in my hands, and I really enjoyed it. And so, I kind of wanted to get you to talk a little bit about it first. Where did the idea of the book come from?
2: Well, the book uh, was was something that our publisher Zach Miller and I kind of brewed up. With a lot of publishers, they'll um, you know they rely on on authors approaching them with book ideas. But I would say that ooh, probably ninety percent of what we do at Motor Books is stuff that we dream up in house and then go out and. Uh, find people to create the content for it so i mean it just basically came out of one of our monday morning conversations you know kind of saying hey we should do a book on on vinyl
1: and the book really is a celebration i think of everything that's great about vinyl records and you really cover all the bases in the book i think from the history of the vinyl album through recommendations on gear, uh, celebrating the great album covers and the great record stores. How did you pick the people to contribute to the book?
2: Well, it's interesting. Um, Three of the five are folks that I've worked with in the past on our music publishing at Cordo. Jillian, Martin, uh, who's especially prolific, and Richie Unterberger. They've all written books for us in the past. And so I kind of knew that uh, they were well-versed in all aspects of vinyl and turntables and just uh, being music lovers. So I figured that once we divvied up the book and figured out a table of contents, um, it wouldn't be hard to find something for those three to do. Matt and Ken, uh, they wrote more about the... The nuts and bolts of collecting and, uh, and of audio gear, for lack of a better word. Um, I found them, they had worked on, on a book for a UK-based publisher, and they're both based in the UK, and they had written on the subjects before. So I approached them to uh, lend their expertise to the book on, on those subjects.
1: Well, it covers all of these topics really well, I think. Richie Unaburger takes the first chapter, and he kind of gives a whole history of Kind of going back to before there was even LPs when there were cylinders, right? Yeah, all of this stuff was not formal. We think of the twelve-inch LP and the seven-inch single, but there were just all kinds of options. There was, I think, a twenty-inch LP that was experimented right, with yeah. different speeds, like uh, eighty RPM. I don't think I've ever heard of an eighty RPM record, but just you know, a kind of an interesting history of how we got from this kind of haphazard. Uh, options uh, into the formats that we all kind of came to know and love, but that's a great chapter.
2: Yeah. I thought Richie did a a really fantastic job of kind of digging into the prehistory of of the the 12 inch 33 and a third RPM record. And, you know, like you say, kind of showing how we got there from, you know, something that that was far removed from, from that. I mean, going back to, as you mentioned, the wax cylinders and, and other, other formats. One thing
1: that I learned that I didn't realize before was that the speed of thirty-three and a third actually derived from the records that they used from the early talkie motion pictures. I thought that was that was interesting. And it comes to you know the rise and decline of the forty-five single and the offshoot of the EP. It's just a really great history of the vinyl record. and then you have a section of the book on record covers and showing some of just some of the classic album covers as well as sort of the history of album cover art and there's definitely stages right Of the way album covers looked in the 50s very different from the 60s moving forward and that martin popoff wrote that section i believe
2: yeah i thought martin did a really good job you know martins uh he's probably the preeminent metal guy um heavy metal writer in the world yep but uh you know once you get to know him you find out that he's uh, so much more than that um he's really well versed in all sorts of genre of popular music and rock and roll and i thought he did a really good job of tracing the early sleep art going back to, you know, the late 40s and the first uh, 12-inch record right up to today, really. And uh, I thought he he really explored the breadth of genres and, and uh, sort of schools of art and and famous design studios and different folks who, you know, like the hypnosis people right. who became famous for their sleeve art over the years. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's all really basically a big celebration of, you know, kind of that in a lot of ways, that tactile experience, which I think we're finding a lot of people are getting back to or started to get back to, especially during the COVID uh, uh, years, um, hunkered down at home, holding stuff in their hands and looking at it and staring at it, spinning on a turntable rather than, you know, listening to it on their phone. Right.
1: Well, uh, you can't see it. The folks listening can't see it, but here in my, my studio, I have about fifty. 50- framed album covers all around on the walls, because album cover art is, to me, it's, I can't separate, and particularly with records that I grew up listening to, I can't separate the album cover from the music you know because it was part of the experience it's the old cliche about you know putting the record on and then sitting down with that cover in your hands and reading the liner notes mm-hmm. and the lyric sheets and all that stuff as you listen to the record and and to me that's all part of the experience and you definitely lose that i mean it was seriously diminished when we went to CDs but uh, it's non-existent really when you go to streaming and i think that's that's a shame to me album cover art is really a lost art form uh, i guess it is kind of making a comeback for, but for many years it's a very unique art form i think and that is it's a perfect blend between art art and commercial art right yeah it's, it's art that's meant to sell a product but yet within that, what you are able to do with an album cover is so much beyond what anyone else was able to do with any other kind of commercial art that I can think mm-hmm. of. I mean, you could push the boundaries of commercial art to its extremes in album cover art. And that's what I loved about it. There's just something really unique and just you know, special about album cover art i think you can argue all you want about the sound quality of vinyl versus cd you know that 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 will will we'll be arguing about that forever but there's no disputing that album cover art is is uh, a unique thing about vinyl that just there's nothing compares to it cds certainly don't
2: there's really two sides to it right that you kind of alluded to there's sort of the crass side which is um you know, this is an advertisement, really, for what's inside. But on the other hand, you know, it is, like you say, it's, it's a piece of art that someone uh, put a lot of work and thought into.
0: Well, I'm going to write a little letter, I'm going to mail it to my local DJ. Yet yeah, it's a jumping little record, I want my jockey to play. Roll over Beethoven, I got to hear it again today. You know my temperature rising, the jukebox blowing a fuse. My heart beating rhythm and my soul keep a singing the blues. I roll over Beethoven and tell Sikorsky the news.
1: Let's pause here for a quick break and then we'll be right back. Yeah, just, I mean, creative expression kind of run run wild in a commercial sense, I think is really something special about album cover art. Definitely. And I, um, like many hardcore music fans, and I did my time as a record store clerk. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed this section of the book where they talk about some of the great record stores in the country and beyond. Most of them gone now. Yeah, which is a shame. But um, the book kind of has a little celebration of some of the great, great record stores.
2: That was Jillian, uh, Jillian Carr. She's based in Seattle. Uh, Again, she's written a number of books for us and other publishers as well. But uh, yeah, she, you know, there's kind of a through line to that chapters with all these chapters, which in, in her case, it's kind of the history of the record store, you know, the place where the merchandising happens. You know, we all, as with the album covers, all have memories of those spaces, you know, where you would go into and everyone, I think that uh, the sound of like albums in in the 80s and 90s CDs uh, flipping or clicking Mm -hmm. um, as people flip through them is kind of ingrained in their mind. And so, you know, she kind of explored the history of those spaces. And then within each, there's sort of like one page Really kind of brief sidebar call-outs about some of the more remarkable record stores. In fact, they're called remarkable record stores in the U.S. and Europe, for the most part, that uh, people have heard of and frequented over the years. Some of them, as you say, gone. Some of them still extant. They became places
1: of community. and Exactly. You know, you'd have customers who'd come and just stand at the counter and chat with you for... sometimes (laughs) sometimes hours, <laughs> right but that was you know that was all part of it it was you know a shared experience that again um kind of goes away when you've got amazon and Discogs and and things like that but there's still stores out there and it's still a fun experience to just poke through the bins and see what you can find i love it
2: yeah one of my favorite parts of that chapter is just uh more so than the the sidebars about actual record stores is uh just looking at the ins- photos of the insides of record stores, you know, across the decades, and how the the retail concepts differed so widely from from one place to the next, and how they kind of evolved, you know, with listening stations and just racking and packaging and everything about it is just like fascinating to look at. Right. One of my favorite photos is uh, is. Uh, In that chapter is of a place I actually visited once in Turku, Finland, called uh, 8 Raita, which means 8-track in Finnish, and uh, just a fantastic store. You know, Finland being Finland, they had uh, in the back corner uh, one of those rod hockey games that you probably remember as a kid, probably as a a way to keep uh, people in the store and hanging out and spending their money more than anything else.
1: Right. There was such a different experience between shopping at Kmart and shopping at your local indie record store is kind of a night and day kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. But it's, it's it's even nostalgic to think back. Um, I kind of grew up in sort of a rural area, and uh, I can remember in the late '70s when like grocery stores would have a corner of the store dedicated to record albums. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were just kind of ubiquitous, and um, even the record section at Kmart or Woolworths back in the day was a fun place for a kid to hang out. Uh, you know, while their mom was buying groceries or whatever. Yeah, exactly,
1: and just browsing through the bins and discovering new bands and looking at the record covers and just wondering what that record sounded like. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the most intimidating things for people who are just getting into vinyl is how do you do it? How do you choose your equipment? Because it is everything from cheapo Crosley turntables to multi-thousand-dollar setups. And Mm. how in the world do you stick your toe in that water? And there's a great chapter in the book just kind of going over the different elements of of the equipment necessary and um mm. and, you know how to get started and i think that's a pretty useful particularly for people who are just kind of getting started in vinyl
2: yeah i mean when when we when we came up with the idea of the book and you know thought about if we do a vinyl and turntable book what should it be you know who should it be for and and I wouldn't say that we approached it as something that should be a primer for people just getting into the hobby. I mean, there's definitely a part of that, but hopefully there's something in there for people who have been into it for decades. But like you say, um, One of the most intimidating parts of the whole thing is like kind of sussing out the equipment and gear. And and, uh, anyone who spent any time at all on on a Facebook uh, turntable group knows how uh, unforgiving some enthusiasts can be when it comes to that sort of thing. So I kind of hoped it was kind of a maybe gentle is a good word for it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, something to make it less intimidating. Um, You know, something that you could say you, you, you can figure this out, too. And, you know, don't worry about those guys with their... $20,000, uh, uh, Macintosh systems or whatever.
1: Right. Um, sometimes when you venture into those internet forums or whatever, you know, you go in to try to get some clarity. And by the time you're done, you're more confused than you were when you started. (laughs) There's so many opinions and people are so entrenched in their particular opinion that it's hard to suss out what's the right path. And I think that that chapter in the book gives people a really good idea of where to start. Yeah. And, and maybe where to, where to head because it's the equipment itself. That's a whole other side of it, but you know, audio equipment is a journey in and
2: of itself, right? Right. Yeah. But if, if you ask five people, you'll get six opinions, right? Exactly. Exactly.
1: But I think that chapter in the book is a, is a good place to start so you know anyone listening out there who's who hasn't dabbled in vinyl and you're curious about uh getting into it without having to spend thousands of dollars um check out that chapter of the book it's it's good advice
0: get your healing from a song just when Never die.
1: And and then there's the last chapter in the book is just sort of about the culture of vinyl fans and and that's kind of I think a nice way to wrap up the book because there is I think a great culture around just the passion for the music and and really that's that's what it's all about is it's not about the cartridges and the needles and the
2: and the tracking weight and the
1: right and all of that all that fun stuff right and whether you've got a first pressing or you know (laughs) the condition of the cover and all that kind of i mean that's that's all part of collecting but ultimately it's it's the joy of the music that really matters and
2: the pleasure of putting on a great record and turning it up and listening to it yeah I mean again, there's something like that's so sensory about the whole experience beyond the audio portion of it that's you know the smell of the record store, you know it it gets down to that level for me the the feel of the record in your hands or or the sleeve in your hands, you know it's it's just all that kind of fun stuff. and you know, I hope we um were able to capture some of that in the book and turn some people onto it or maybe make them consider exploring vinyl as a hobby.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think the book is a great place for anyone to start their vinyl collection if you're just getting started or if you're curious about it. The, this is a great guidebook. It is, in, in its own way, a primer. But it's also a celebration of all that's come before. And for those of us who grew up with vinyl records, you're going to find something in this book to appreciate i love this book and i would recommend it to whether you're an old fan or a new fan um so i think you guys did a great job putting the book together thanks brad yeah well thank you for joining me to talk a little bit about the book it is available on is it october 31st the official
2: release date i think that's correct yeah Sometime in October.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so by the time this episode is out and available, you can order this book from Amazon or, better yet, support your local bookstore and purchase it from there. Definitely. The book is called In the Groove, The Vinyl Record and Turntable Revolution, a great book that should be on the bookshelf uh, of, of any record fan. So thanks for the book. And thanks for joining me to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dennis.
2: Thanks for having me. Anyone who names their podcast after a Paul Westerberg lyric is all right by me. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thanks so much.
1: And thanks, as always, to you for listening. Please pick up a copy of this book. You will enjoy it. It's called In the Groove, The Vinyl Record, and Turntable Revolution. Available now. This podcast will be back in about two weeks with another new episode, so join me again then. All of our previous episodes, there's about 140 of them now, can be found on our website, lovethatsongpodcast.com, or in your favorite podcast app. Just look for us. You'll find us there. Keep in touch on Facebook or send an email to Love that song podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, all I ask is that you tell a friend about it because your recommendation is worth more than any advertising. On behalf of everyone on the Pantheon Podcast Network, I thank you for listening. Now, go dig out an album that you haven't listened to for a while, put it on that turntable, crank it up, and get in the groove. Spider-Man.
0: Up the track, going in the black valley of the
1: vinyl spiral, dug up by the diamond, running it around, turning it into sound, entering my spine.